Hi everyone, it's great to see you guys tonight. Um, my name's Tim. If I haven't met you before, I'd love to meet you after. I'd love to come and say hi and um, get to know you a little bit. Um, this, is, this is pretty exciting tonight. You can probably even tell by some of the songs. We've sort of got a new sort of theme, a new sort of journey that we're going on that we're starting tonight. And we're doing this, this teaching series across the morning and the night. Dave did this this morning um, on this thing called The Other Guy. And, and you might have already seen it sort of come through a bit, or you saw it on the Facebook post that we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And we kind of picked this name. We actually just kind of found it on the internet and stole it. But we, we thought it was cool because often, I suppose it depends on the church you go to, but, but often, maybe in majority of sort of Christian churches, we talk lots about Jesus because we're Christians. We follow Jesus. Jesus is the center. Often we know about the Father. We pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father. We, we know that Jesus was sent from the Father and He teaches us about the Father. But often then there's this other guy. And, and he's kind of weird. And, and he's kind of strange. And he can actually kind of sometimes touch us a little bit too close to home that it's a bit scary and it's a bit uncertain. And the Holy Spirit, I think, and, and we're starting a four-week series on this, and I kind of want to just frame the series for a few minutes before we actually start this by just saying that, that this topic, if you've been around church for long enough, or if you've been a Christian for a while, you probably have some kind of experience. There's probably something that, that you've encountered about the Holy Spirit, whether that's you having an actual experience of God that's been really awesome, or maybe one that's just been weird and scary, or maybe you've been in a church or you've, or you've heard about people who do some really strange things. Maybe even use God's name to do things that are abusive and, and, and terrible. And you might know stories of, of people trying to put pressure on people to do things, or maybe you've even experienced a church or a community that, that seems very spiritual, but was a very negative and very bad experience. And often, often the Holy Spirit, this, this idea of God being present with us, can be very personal, and we can have a lot of maybe... Um, personal investment, maybe good experience or bad experience that can touch us a bit close to home. And I think what sometimes happens is if, if we've had an experience or if we've had an encounter that's not being good, often the thing we can do is react and go to the other extreme. And that's why sometimes, I don't know, if you've been around churches long enough, you, see, you hear people talk about these sort of debates, like this is a really spirit church, this is really kind of a bit free, a bit crazy, and this is like a really word church, where they study the Bible and seek God in that way. And you kind of sometimes get this kind of continuum where like, here's the Spirit, here's God's doing powerful things, doing amazing things, and here's the Word. And these are the people that really value the truth and really seeking God and being sensible. And often what happens though is that maybe, maybe you have an experience of, that's really negative and you think, no, that's not from God, that's not good, that's bad, that's bad. And you end up over here and you say, we just need the Bible, that's all that we need. But then maybe you, you've sort of grown up in a church where God doing things and God moving the Holy Spirit kind of wasn't really a big thing. You just value the Bible. And then you had an experience of the Holy Spirit. And then you sort of come over here and think, those people that just value the Bible, they're, they're wrong. We just need the Spirit. And there's this sort of reactive tendency, especially when something hits us close to home, to say, that's not good. I'm going to go here and end up at another extreme where these two things end up kind of against each other. But when we think about it, the Holy Spirit and the Bible are not opposites. And, and we, we need to sort of go on a journey to work out what this looks like. 
But this sort of whole continuum, the answer is not that we need somewhere in the middle. The answer is not that we need to see how they're wrong and how this is right or how this is wrong and this is right and we sort of sit in the middle. The, the thing we need to do is just sort of almost lay aside our preconceptions a bit, lay aside our bad experiences, lay aside the extremes and seek God. Instead of sort of reacting against what has happened in the past, reacting against what we might see as, oh, that's bad, that's dangerous, let's try and in the next four weeks lay these down and come to a place where we say, God, what do you actually have for us? God, what do you actually want to do in us? God, what does your Bible actually say about your spirit? And, and that's kind of where I want us to sort of get to a place where we're, we're not sort of on this extremes back and forth, but we're realizing we need the Holy Spirit. He's God. He's in the Bible. We need the Bible because that's what we learn about it. We need both 100%. But what does that look like is sort of where we sort of get confused. But instead of looking at all the different types, we want to seek God and sort of journey through this together. So over the next four weeks, I'm kind of inviting you to, to come on a journey where we seek God. What does He want for us? Maybe even allow that to take you out of your comfort zone a little bit. Maybe even allow that to change some of your ideas that you might have. And do that in, a, in this sort of community through discussions and, and talking and things like that as well. So I invite you, if, if there's anything that I'm saying that, that you think, no, that's not right, Tim, please come and talk to me. And if you've got things that you're journeying through, talk to each other and work through this together as well. So I'm actually just going to pray. That's kind of just setting up the next four weeks, and then we'll get into some sort of basics for just for tonight to get started. So I'm just going to pray to get started. Father, thank you so much that we can meet here and just seek you, the living God. Thank you so much for sending Jesus. And as we're just going to talk about tonight, we thank you so much for the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we just ask that you would just take us on a journey Whatever you want to do with us, God, help us to seek you. I just ask that just for each of us, you'd help us to maybe lay down maybe some of our negative experiences or even maybe some of our good experiences and not just base our beliefs and our experiences, but really seek you and seek to know you deeper. So I just ask that you would speak to us tonight. You'd even speak to me through this as well. And just pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Cool. So I think what makes this a little bit difficult is that when we talk about who the Holy Spirit is, He kind of is mysterious. He is kind of strange. Like, when we think about God being a father, we, we know what a father is. Everyone's had a father to some degree, and often our fathers don't really reflect how good God the Father is. But we kind of know what a father is, and we can, we can know to a degree what a relationship with a father is. When we come to Jesus, Jesus is a human He's, God, he's the God-man. We know what it's like to be a human. Jesus is a son. You know what it's like to be a son or a daughter. We can, we can kind of relate and understand Jesus. But then the Holy Spirit is this kind of more mysterious, strange thing that often people even, even call an it. Kind of like the force in Star Wars or something like that. Like, like there's, this, there's the force and there's the dark side and the good side. And the, the force is not a person. But sort of the Holy Spirit often gets talked about that like it's, it's doing this. Whereas, whereas we're going to look at when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, he actually uses a masculine pronoun for a, a word that shouldn't have that. He actually refers to him as he, not, not meaning that he's male, but that he's a person. And, and, but he's sort of this mysterious person. That, that is, is, it's kind of hard to understand who he is. But what I was thinking, maybe the best way for us to understand who he is or understand what, what he's about 
is to understand why he was sent. Because Jesus has a lot to say about the coming of the Spirit. Jesus has a lot to say about why he was sent. And Jesus, we're going to read something in a minute. And Jesus is, it's really interesting because he starts to say things like, it's really good that I'm leaving because the Holy Spirit is coming. And he's talking about how amazing it is and how powerful it is that this person is coming and he's predicting it. And before we actually really get into to talking through this, so this is what we're basically going to try and do tonight. And, and tonight is going to kind of be a bit more teaching. Like I'm, I'm going to go through a lot of scriptures. I'm going to kind of give you a lot of information. I'm going to try and explain it as simply as possible. But if you tune out a little bit, that's fine. I'll, I'll try and summarize things as we go, and you can kind of connect back in as we go through. But what, what we're going to do in a second, Jordan's going to come up and just read quite a bit of Scripture. And just, we're just going to read it straight out. This is from John 14 and John 16 and Acts 1 and Acts 2. And there's, there's going to be four passages. And, and these are actually going to tell a bit of a story. We had communion before, and this story starts when Jesus had communion for the last time, when he had the Passover. Mark even talked about it when Jesus broke the bread. He gave the bread to the disciples. He gave the wine. You can imagine how the disciples are starting to feel. They've been with Jesus for three years. He's been their savior, their Messiah, their teacher, their leader. And he's been telling them repeatedly that he's going to go. He's going to die. And this still doesn't make sense to them. Why would Jesus need to die? He's, he's here to rescue them. They don't understand and you can imagine that they're starting to feel afraid. People, people are upset at Jesus and they're coming to kill him. What's going to happen to the disciples? That the one that's been leading and guiding them is going. What are they going to do now? He's been teaching them so many things. Are they going to remember them? He's, he's given them this mission. Are they going to be able to fulfill it? You can imagine the disciples would be feeling all these things. And then Jesus starts to talk to them about the Holy Spirit. And this, these passages are going to sort of tell a bit of a story from when Jesus starts to talk to this to when the Holy Spirit actually comes. So if you can just read them out, Jordan, that'd be awesome. Do you want to... Here you, go. you can just click through. If you love me, you will keep my... Hold on. Oh, if you just go to the next one, the next slide. If you... Hello, everyone. How are you? One, two, check. There we go. Is that right? Great. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. I swear I didn't do that. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I do not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. 
concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Cool. Thanks, John. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> cool. So you can see there's a bit of a story there, this progression of Jesus starts to talk to the disciples a lot about what's coming. And then... That passage that Jordan read in Acts, the first one, this is, this is after Jesus has risen. He's risen from the dead. He's come back to them. He's appeared to them, and he's about to go to heaven, and he tells them, no, wait. Wait to receive this promise. And that's what they do. And then we see in Acts chapter 2, they receive it. And then when you read the book of Acts, there's just these amazing things that start to happen. All this stuff that the Holy Spirit starts to do, which is, which is really cool to read about. So we're going to go, sort of go through this, and, and remember, we're trying to kind of answer this question, why was he sent? And the problem is, is that Jesus is leaving, that, that Jesus is the Savior of the world. He's come to reveal the Father. He's come to reveal God. He's, he's, he's led these disciples to know him, and now they're sad because he's leaving, and he's trying to comfort them. And I was thinking about this today, like when people leave us these days, as in to go to another country or, or to go overseas or to go far away, it's not, it's not really a big deal. Like we have um, phones, we have Facebook, we have Skype. Like when, when someone leaves, it's, it's sad because they're not here with us, but we can talk to them in a second. But imagine what it was like back then. Like I don't think anyone had long distance relationships back then because if you left, then they, they're gone and you wait maybe a year or something, and then hopefully they're okay. Like, you can't send them a message. Maybe you could send them a hand-delivered letter, but, but that would be a pretty hard long-distance relationship. I don't know for the person in between just delivering these letters, probably wouldn't be that great. And we, we kind of, when people leave us and go far away, we can sort of have these long-distance relationships with them. And, and Jesus is, is talking to them about how he's going away, but he's not really going away. And there's three ways that he says he's coming back. First, he's starting to talk to them about how he's going to come back and he's going to take them to be with himself. 
This is at the start of John 14. And this is, he's going to come back one day and he's going to send everyone, he's going to bring all the believers into heaven to be with him. This is the second coming when Jesus comes back in power. There's another coming when he's going to come back very soon from the dead. He's, he's leaving them, he's going to die, and then he's going to be alive and they're going to see him. But there's this other coming of Jesus that he starts to talk about, which is really, really interesting. We're going to read through... Sorry, let me just see where I'm up to. Okay, so this is from John 14. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. In that day, you will know I'm in the Father and you in me and I in you. And this is him saying, I'm going to come back from the dead. I'm going to be back very soon. He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. This is this sort of strange thing. He's going to come and manifest. And Judas says this question to him, Lord, how is it that you'll show yourself just to us and not to the world? How is it that you'll reveal yourself to us and not to everyone? And he answers it in this way. If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. This is this amazing idea that Jesus is saying when he sends the Spirit, he actually isn't leaving. Jesus is saying to the disciples that I'm going to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit, and when he comes, I'm going to come. When he comes to live in you, I'm going to come to live in you, and the Father is going to come to live in you as well. I'm going to just go way back one of the first verses we started with. This, this one here, he says, He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. This is this idea that, that Jesus has been their helper so far. Jesus has been, the actual word is advocate, like someone who comes alongside. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you another one. And this another is like me. Jesus is saying, like me, the Holy Spirit is like me. He's going to come and be with you. He's a person and he's going to be in you. But then he goes further to say that when he comes, I'm going to come and make my home and live in you. And what we see is that Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit was actually sent to continue his presence. That, that the disciples are worried that Jesus is leaving, that he's been their leader for so long. But actually, he's not. And actually, in some ways, the relationship they have with Jesus is that he's, he's a person and he's present with them. But in some ways, the relationship they're going to have by the Holy Spirit is going to be even more intimate because he's going to be in them. And that it's going to be even more powerful because it's going to spread across the whole world. That Jesus is not just restricted now to Jerusalem, but he's actually in every believer across the whole world. And he dwells and he's still present today. And this is, this is really the answer to this disciple's problem, that they're worried that Jesus is going, but Jesus is saying, I'm actually not going. My presence is going to continue. And this is, this is what we believe as if we've, if we've believed in Jesus, that we receive the Holy Spirit, which actually means that God lives in us. When you actually stop and think about that for a minute and the implications of that, it's crazy. That the Holy Spirit lives in us. Jesus is present in us every day. That, that we're actually not alone. That God is not really distant and far away. And God is not, we know God is everywhere, but he's not just everywhere, but he's actually present 
in us. He's actually present in each one of you if you know him. And our community together, our commonality, is that Jesus is present in each one of us. This is sort of what unites us. This is what brings us together. And because of that, Jesus' presence continues. It didn't cease when he went to heaven, but he's actually present. He's actually here. So that's the first real, real reason why the Holy Spirit was, spent, was sent, to continue Jesus' presence. I'm going to keep reading from John 14. And Jesus says, I've spoken these things to you while I'm still with you, but the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all I've said to you. See, this other problem is that Jesus has been teaching them for years, for three years. He's been teaching them amazing things, and and we realize the disciples still don't get it. They still don't understand. Even in that passage with Acts, where where Jesus is risen, the disciples are still like, are you going to bring the kingdom now? But they, they just don't understand. And so imagine having all this teaching and not even understanding it. Imagine having to remember it as well. And what Jesus is saying is that this Holy Spirit that's going to come, this helper, he is going to teach you and bring to your remembrance all the things that I taught to you. He says this in Acts 16 as well. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. See, this idea of like the Spirit being over here and the the Word or the truth being over here is silly. The Spirit is the Spirit of truth. He will guide you into all truth. And this is interesting. He will not speak on His own authority. Whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit will remind the disciples of what He taught, but the Holy Spirit will teach new things. But this teaching is not going to be the Holy Spirit's ideas, but Jesus' ideas that he's actually going to take the things that Jesus speaks and speak them into the disciples. He says, He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the Father has is mine. Therefore I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So what we see here is that, that the Holy Spirit is sent to actually continue Jesus' teaching as well. That Jesus is no longer able to be there present teaching his disciples, but that the Holy Spirit will remind them of what he said, and the Holy Spirit will speak, but when the Holy Spirit's speaking, it's Jesus speaking. And when the Holy Spirit's speaking, He's glorifying Jesus and declaring the things of Jesus and reminding them of who Jesus is. This is um, so interesting and for, for what it means for us that, that this is not just something that happened 2,000 years ago that, that we've got a book about that we just have to figure out. This is, not, this is not something where God used to do things ages ago and we just have to study. The Holy Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit and He's a teacher. And if He's a person, we have a personal relationship with Him. He can teach us in ways where we can learn. Do you know teaching, teaching and learning is such a personal thing? That's why it's so hard to teach a, a big group of people because the way that everyone learns is so personal. The way that you have to explain something to someone is so personal that maybe they need to see it. Or maybe they need to feel it. Or maybe they just, I, I just need the big picture. If I have the big picture, I'm fine. But if I have all these little details, I get confused. And other people are the opposite. But if we have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, He can speak to us and He can teach us in ways that we will learn, in ways that we will understand. And that probably already happens to you. If you, if you know Jesus, the Holy Spirit has taught you about Jesus. If, if you've grown in deeper knowledge of Him, He has been teaching you. And often he'll do it through his word because he is ultimately the author of the word as well. And that the Holy Spirit works in this way in the midst of us. 
often I feel like God often speaks to me just through books, not in an amazing, powerful way, but just a book that will just be at the right time, the right moment, that will just bring a deep understanding. That suits my personality. Whereas you might have something else for you where he's speaking to you all the time and you may not even realize it. But we don't, it's not all on us to figure out the truth about God. That the Holy Spirit is here and Jesus can still teach. Jesus can still speak into our hearts and bring deep understanding in our lives. Lastly, John 16. Jesus starts to talk about, actually before I go there, I'm just going to make this, this sort of problem here. The disciples, again, there's this, this sort of danger around them. And there's this mission that they've been given. And you can imagine how, how afraid they would be to have to go out and preach about Jesus when, when he's just been crucified. And, you know, I've even had this idea that, that before, like, um, the disciples were afraid and they, they weren't very strong, they weren't very bold. And then they saw Jesus risen from the dead and then they went out and they were bold and they were confident and they were strong. But it's not the whole story. They, they, they got some confidence from seeing Jesus, but when we read Acts, it's not until they actually received the Holy Spirit that that's when they're actually bold and strong and confident. So they've got this massive mission, and they're not sure how they're going to achieve it. But this is what Jesus says again about the Holy Spirit. He says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asks, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Then he says this amazing thing. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And this is what Jesus says the Holy Spirit will do. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. This is this idea that Jesus' mission was to come and reveal the Father. Jesus' mission was to, was to bring the truth about God, but the world rejected him. The world crucified him. The world did not believe him. But his mission continues, and the Holy Spirit is going to continue it by convicting the world of their sin of rejecting Jesus. The sin because they do not believe in me. The Holy Spirit is actually working in the world to convince people of this. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father. This idea that Jesus was deemed unrighteous by people. He, his, he, was, he was killed because they deemed him unrighteous. But the truth is that Jesus is righteous. The truth is that Jesus was innocent and pure. And because he's gone to the Father, it proves this. And the Holy Spirit is going to come now and prove this. You, you'll see me no longer, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And in the same way that it, it seemed like on the cross that, that Satan was going to win, that the world judged and condemned Jesus, but the truth is that in Jesus' death on the cross, he judged and condemned the world. He judged and condemned Satan. And the Holy Spirit is going to come and convict people of this, of their rejection of Jesus. Then we have this promise in Acts that John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then he talks to them and he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to all the earth. This idea that the disciples didn't have the strength and the power to continue Jesus' mission, but the Holy Spirit comes on them and then they're able to. And we see that the Holy Spirit then was also sent to continue Jesus' mission. That, that he, he hasn't finished, that he had this mission to reveal the Father, to reveal God to the world, and he's gone back to the Father, and the Holy Spirit takes up the baton and continues. 
But what the Holy Spirit is doing is actually a continuation of what Jesus did to start with. I don't know about you, but when we think about like the, the mission of God to, to, to go out and preach the gospel, to tell people about Jesus, especially sort of in a, in a society that's kind of done with Christianity, they don't really want anything to do with it. I don't know about you, but I feel weak. I feel, I feel nervous. I don't feel like strong and powerful. And we kind of think we, sh- we have the Holy Spirit. We should be just be strong and powerful. We should go out and convince people and tell people. But really, the truth is that we're weak. And this is how the Apostle Paul felt as well. And he learned that it's actually not our strength. Because of the Holy Spirit, we don't need strength. We need just His Spirit. And even our weakness actually makes us stronger. There's this story in Corinthians where, where Paul the Apostle is, is this man that did amazing things for God, but he had this weakness. And it seems like something that was kind of oppressing him that he'd asked God to get rid of. But Jesus gave him a response, and Jesus' response was this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul gets it, and he says, Therefore I'll boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so the power of Christ may rest on me. You see, the, the Holy Spirit has come to give power to continue Jesus' mission, which means we don't need to be strong and confident. We can actually be weak, but resting and trusting in His power in order to be able to continue Jesus' mission. So if you've tuned out a bit tonight, this is, this is the main two things that I want you to get about the Holy Spirit and why He was sent. That He was sent to continue Jesus' presence on the earth. He was sent to continue Jesus' teaching. He was sent to advance Jesus' mission. You can see the Holy Spirit is all about Jesus. Jesus came to reveal the Father, and the Holy Spirit comes to reveal Jesus. And the Trinity is this beautiful giving and directing themselves away from each other in this amazing way. And secondly, if this is what Jesus said that is so good that He's coming, if we are going to know God, if we're going to actually understand Him and grow in his, his understanding of who He is and His teaching, and if we're actually going to go into the world and make disciples like He calls us to, we desperately need the Holy Spirit. That we actually cannot know God, we cannot understand His Word, and we cannot fulfill His mission without Him. It's not our talents, it's not our knowledge, it's not putting on nice church services, it's not doing talks It's not really good music. None of those things are going to make any difference in what actually matters. We we can come here and we can just put on a show that's a nice thing each week. But what, what this is meant to be, what we want, is for us to come and meet with God. That on Sundays we come and encounter the Holy Spirit. That when 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 um people see us, they see that God is at work in us. And and that we desperately need him for that to be the case. We really often get, we get the idea in Christianity that, that we don't have to work to get saved. That, that, that like Mark was sharing about before, that was awesome, is that we're saved by grace. And Dave put up this awesome saying this morning, that all merit is in the Son. That, that, that we have all we need in Jesus to be right with God. We don't have to try hard to be right with God. We don't have to do the right thing to be right with God. Jesus has done it all for us and we receive it by grace. But often, then we think we have to try really hard. Then we think that, that we have to be really loving, and we have to really read our Bible, and we have to really go to church, and we have to care for these people, and we have to try really, really hard. We have to bring people to Jesus, and we put it on ourselves. 
But the truth is, the same way that all merit is in the Son, all power is in the Holy Spirit. And for us to actually live as Christians, we desperately need His power. That, that to be a Christian is to walk by the Spirit. To, and, that, and this is so amazing that, that Christianity is saying that we can't do anything. That, that God saves us and then God gives us the power to follow Him and to love Him and to go for Him. That's actually not us at all is what it's about, which is so amazing. I just want to finish with this quote, and, and this is from Zechariah. Maybe you guys in the band can hop back up, and then we'll just pray to finish as well. This is from, from Zechariah. I feel like this just captures what God is saying about his mission, about saying what God is about in the world. He says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, that we desperately need the spirit, and the spirit has come to reveal Jesus. So I'm just going to pray, and then we'll finish up for the night. Father, we just thank you so much that you're a God who just gives us everything we need, that you're a God who has provided for our problem of sin and disobedience and, and, and being apart from you that you've provided in Jesus. We just thank you that you're a God that provides for our weakness and our inability and our fear and our insecurity in the Holy Spirit. And we just invite you to come, Holy Spirit, and fill us, that your presence, Jesus, would be here, that, that we would learn and teach and receive your teaching, and that you would empower us like you empowered the disciples in the book of Acts, that you would empower us to be your witnesses, to, to, to reveal Jesus to the world. And we just ask that you would move even now and just speak into our hearts. Give us your power and your strength. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So if, you, if you'd like prayer for anything, feel free. A couple of us up here to pray for you as well. Others will sing to finish.